0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmur's Day, April 25th, 2022. On the show today, news, theme park surveys. And in our main segment, Jim Hill continues the history of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, Disney's own government entity in Central Florida. Jim, I think it's been on the news, hasn't it? I know. <laughs> hey, it's, it's been a thing or two I think I saw on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get started by bringing in the man who says the only women that call him baby are his wife and that nice elderly waitress down at the Waffle House. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? It's going well, Len. I, Len, you know Dirty Dancing, the movie, not the choreography, right? I know both, Jim, because I'm a sensitive individual. Go ahead. Oh, you then
1: know the famous line from that film, that nobody ba- puts, ba- ba- puts baby in a corner, yeah. Well, that's like, why is it that every time I go to the Waffle House, the waitresses insist on seating me in the corner of that restaurant? <laughs>
0: You know, interestingly, they always put me at the bar, and I wonder if it's if it's to keep an eye on me. It, and you're like, oh, yeah, this this guy's not trouble, but but you know we don't want this riff wrap up by the front door.
1: <laughs> well, I, I I always think it's like they think of me, like you know, look at me, aha, uh-huh, former mafioso. So they, they just
0: <laughs> seat him against
1: the wall so I can stay stay ever exactly. vigilant and
0: and exactly. watch my enemies approach. Back to the wall, and and the wall is always drywall, not glass, because drywall is easy to repair. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on this. Yeah, there we go.
1: All right, well, one final note here: uh, Tony Soprano got sloppy if he and his family, when they went to that diner in the series finale of The Sopranos. If you would taken the seat where he had his back to the wall, we could have enjoyed many more seasons of that show.
0: I, I have so many ideas on what the ending actually meant and that we could probably do our own show.
1: Oh, okay.
0: All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at disneydish.bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers in W1230, Emerson Pratt, and CJ Max73, and longtime subscribers CMA Win, RMS, and Graham Clark. Jim, these are the theme park DJs. Who selected the songs in the soundtrack for the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride over at Epcot, including Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears, Iran by Flock of Seagulls, and September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. And they say they can neither confirm nor deny that if you enter Barry Manilow's birthday into the ride console, it'll play Mandy during your visit to Xandar. True story. Hmm.
1: I think I'm going to be punching some numbers in next time.
0: <laughs> actually, I love all of those songs, and I really do like Mandy. I think the lyrics in Mandy are actually – they're really good. Oh, right? where Where, where Mandalo actually says mm-hmm. uh, and, and that he, he's, he's having trouble thinking of the rhyme for the mm-hmm. next line. Yep. Like that is both – it's both meta and also very poignant because it's personal. I, I love that song, and you know you know what's the funny thing is how I love the song, mm-hmm. not from when it was played on the radio. I love it from the episode of Angel on the WB where they had to to karaoke it. <laughs> and I was like, this is there's nothing wrong with the this song. This this, this, song, this song's fine. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry for what that was seventy seven. So what thirty?
0: Oh god, 45? Yeah, years? but I only only I only started liking it like in the last fifteen years. Okay,
1: yeah. well, again, you know, sometimes when I lie awake at night and sit there and go she came and she gave without taking how is that possible
0: (laughs) (laughs) but he sent her away
1: well there you go all right it's the story
0: it's like romeo and juliet but in a three and a half minute song
1: and then you know is it she he sent her away at ups fedex where there are holes in the box so she could breathe i mean get questions 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 (laughs)
0: <laughs> there has to be a college class on the, on interpreting the lyrics of Barry Manila. Has to be. Has right. to be. All right, Jim, let's do the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. So as a reminder, uh, Jim, you and I are doing the second annual Gingerbread Challenge in Walt Disney World starting Friday, December 2nd, 2022. It's a weekend. Also, we're looking at March 30th through April 1st, 2023 for our group cruise on the Star Cruiser Halcyon. Also, a Thursday check-in and a Saturday check-out. Visit storybookdestinations.com slash Dish to sign up for these events. In other upcoming things, Jim, I don't know if it's been announced because we Mm -hmm. record this on Thursday, Mm -hmm. but I'm told Character Dining is coming back to Ohana soon? Mm. So maybe okay. by the time the show comes out, who knows? Okay. In other dirty news, I was over at the grand Floridian last night mm-hmm. and I heard Israel has left Citrico's and we all know that that means we're on roughly a 60 day countdown now for the opening of Victorian Alberts. It's possible mm. at the grand flow because Israel is going to go manage that. And I think we said, uh, Jim on last week's show that our friends in the French automobile tire business are planning a trip to VNA in mid to late summer. So things are coming together nicely there. Mm.
1: Ooh, okay. Can't wait to hear what they have to say.
0: Yeah, it should be good. Also, cast member previews have started for Guardians of the Galaxy. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Have you have you heard anything, Jim? I've heard
1: more fun than thrilling, but definitely yeah, fun. Yeah. A great addition to the park.
0: I did too. And I heard the um the it's a very smooth coaster. So mm. uh, so I'm looking forward to comparing that to like Velocicoaster, which is my current favorite. Mm-hmm. In all of Central Florida. Um my is May 7th, so I'm looking forward to that. Um that's a Saturday, so I might have to record a special segment for Aaron to introduce to the show for Schmersday, Day, May 9th. So we'll see what happens there. Cool, cool. Also, Jim, um, last thing for news, I'd like to introduce a new segment mm-hmm. to the news part of the show and that we should offer on an irregular mm-hmm. basis. And I'd like to, Jim, I'd like to call this new segment, and I know this is gonna be popular, This Week in Ice Cream.
2: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, here we go. So here's how it started. So our friends Mike, Jason, and Scott with special guest Griff were in Brooklyn at the beginning of the month for a special live episode of their show, Podcast The Ride. So, Jim, you've you've heard these guys, right? Oh, yeah. yeah great, great show. <laughs> Fantastic show. Hilarious. Very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at themed entertainment. So uh, it was a great show. Absolutely hilarious! Um, they reviewed the old Mars twenty one twelve restaurant in Manhattan. No, yes, and it was, uh, and so I'm thinking, like, like God, this is the precursor to Space 220.
1: A uh, quick question, had any of them actually
0: been to it? or Yes, I think uh, Griff had been there. Uh, okay. Actually, several times. It was a personal favorite of his. Oh. and just told the funniest stories about he went over time, like mm. he went several times a year, mm-hmm. so he would see like, this is how it opened, mm-hmm. and then this is how it degraded, right? Oh. But the 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 hilarious thing about it was um, mm-hmm. just like Space 220, yeah. the idea was that you're in Manhattan, but mm-hmm. you get transported to Mars, mm-hmm. right? And, and in the case of Space 220 to the space station, right? Mm-hmm. But you get you get transported to Mars uh, to eat. So there's actually this like hydrolator type idea where you're Absolutely. on the space television. Mean, Absolutely. I, I
1: not to interrupt, but Nancy and I actually went to this place once when we were in New York. And I, I still remember to this day because they had characters that would wander the rest. God, they
0: did Jim they yeah. did
1: okay and so Nancy is is eating her dinner unaware that a character is coming up on her blind side you know it just so she looks up from her her pasta dish and the scream you know just oh, so, yeah it was a fascinating place to go to once so I'm Applause to Griff for going back because it's like, wow, this stove is hot. Let me put my yeah. hand on it again. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. I mean, the thing the thing that I learned from this, Jim, is mm-hmm. that the average New Yorker loves when strangers surprise them. <laughs> like that is, that is just like, that's part of the community, right? Yeah. Like the uh, the other thing, though, that Griff mentioned was um, – So the restaurant opened before 9-11. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. management did not change the – ride to space video would actually showed the twin towers Uh, for like 10 years after the event happened. So every, every person who was like excited to go in the restaurant gets into this, like their first experience with the restaurant is flying past the twin towers on the way to Mars. And it's just like, it's like putting your failed health inspections Mm -hmm. on the front door of the restaurant for when people come in. It's like, this is not a great setup Mm. anyway. So the event was hilarious. Mm-hmm. If the podcast the right people ever do a live event near you guys, mm-hmm. go do it. They're super funny and they're all good people too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as you can imagine, a bunch of Disney Disc listeners mm-hmm. were at this event too because, you know, Disney podcast thing. So mm-hmm. I met a, a listener there named Jackie. Mm-hmm. And Jackie said that when I visit Maine to complete mm-hmm. my visit to all 50 United States, I should stop by her ice cream parlor. And here I have to say that Jackie is one of those like no nonsense New Englanders because the name of her ice cream parlor is Jim. Mm-hmm. The parlor ice cream shop. <laughs> you gotta say. I mean, it, you, you gotta say something for the, the taciturn, you know, nature of, of of New England communication, right? I mean, it's just like, here's what it is.
1: More to the point, the brilliance from a Google search point of view. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. No. Like super smart. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So she's both. She's both uh, succinct and smart. There we go. So I was intrigued by like how Jackie described the ice cream flavors. So I ordered five pints off the web, mm-hmm. uh, and in the interest of science, Jim, you understand, I tried them all. Uh, here were the flavors. Mm-hmm. So the first one was uh, tahini brownie, which is you know um, sesame seeds mm-hmm. mixed with uh, brownie uh, chunks. In in ice cream, it was it was delicious. I'm not a huge fan of sesame, mm-hmm. but this was delightful. Um, the other one that she sent in was uh, miso caramel, mm-hmm. which was a red miso caramel ice cream. Mm-hmm. And the the cool thing there is you got both salt and sweet. She kind of like it an ice cream. Mm-hmm. There was a sweet cream, which is sort of like the base for everything else. Mm-hmm. My two favorites: orange blossom creamsicle. I am a Whoa. sucker for creamsicle. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. I ate all of this in one sitting, watching a <laughs> love. It.
1: Well, but, but again, if you,
0: vitamin C, Lent, citrus, okay? It it, exactly. Is- it, it, was a fr- it was a serving of fruit. That there was we my go. take on okay. this. Okay, right? yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about health, Jim. Just get mm-hmm. on board. There you go. But the one that I loved was, it's called Luckiest Charms. Mm-hmm. It is Lucky Charms in the sweet cream milk, including the marshmallows. <laughs> and my I looked at this, and you open it up, and it's like, it's obvious what this is, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, how has no one else done this? It was perfect because, I mean, ice cream tastes like milk, mm-hmm. and this is cereal. Like, how have how have we progressed 2022 years <laughs> after the birth of Jesus without doing Lucky Charms as an ice cream? Like, what did we miss as a society?
1: Interesting side note here. Len, if you check the menu for The Last Supper, right
0: there, Lucky's Charms. Lucky's Charms. There we go. There we go. go. So. That's it. Also... I don't want to go into this, but no one has ever commented on the fact that The Last Supper was actually a table for 24 and they only used half the seats. <laughs> and as a, as a as every restaurant person I've ever looked at probably gets like the eye twitches. When they see that, and you know it was it was separate checks. I,
1: anyway. uh, one final note. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so off the rails
1: here. <laughs> I, I know, but, but just, just, yeah, just 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 you know the, this past week or so there was a, somebody on Twitter had recreated Jesus and returned to Earth and was having a conversation. So that last meal with the guys, what did you call that? The Last Supper. It's like
0: ooh, spoiler <laughs> alert. You know, um, <laughs> I, I love the one. So it was uh, Jesus talking and saying, okay, so the the day that I got. Crucified was pretty terrible. What what did you call it again? (laughs) Yes, Good (laughs) Friday.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We apologize for all all those who've been
2: moving on
0: now. (laughs) All right. So Jackie mentioned that by the way, all the flavors are delicious. Mm -hmm. The website is um with dashes between it, the dash parlour dash ice-dash cream dash co. MyShopify.com. But if you Google in the parlor ice cream co on my shopify, they'll find it. Then, then, so I, I wrote to Jackie. I'm like, Oh my God, these are delicious. You know, mm-hmm. let me know the next time, you know, let, let me know where this place is. So when I get it to Maine, I'm, I'll, I'll visit. Cocoa. And she's like, and then Jackie mentioned, well, mm-hmm. she kind of teased really mm-hmm. the idea of a new ice cream flavor for this show called Hank Conley. <gasps>
1: oh,
0: and that my exact reaction. So oh. I put it to you, mm-hmm. dear listeners. What should go in a flavor of ice cream called Hank Cone? Obviously Cone, but what else?
1: And we could more to the point. We have some time to sort of test and adjust out, out ahead of the event next April. Ooh, I, I ooh. feel like we could get this done before Tron opens. Oh. <laughs> I feel like we could. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That's calendar 2025. <laughs> Absolutely, Len. We can get this done.
0: All right. The, uh, the other ice cream news is that Salt and Straw, which is a Portland-based ice cream shop, has opened in Disney Springs. So through Jonathan, a friend of the show, who runs a little thing called Joe Coffee in New York, I was able to get into the preview on Tuesday. So I met Kim and Tyler, the founders, um, and we tried a dozen flavors. A lot of the gym, frankly, mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. So Tyler handles the flavor profiles, mm-hmm. and he was describing what he had done for research for this flavor called Cinnamon Snickerdoodle, which, by the way, is either the best dog breed name ever or the most delicious flavor of ice cream you've ever tried. Or it could be both. You never know. But anyway, so Tyler says he's like, you know, for the cinnamon, I tried 40 different varieties of cinnamon to get the right flavor profile for this. And when he said it, Jim, you know, like when people talk and it's like, you can see the PTSD flashing in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Like he spoke like someone who actually had tried Forty different kinds of cinnamon for so this is one ice cream flavor, mm-hmm. and then he started talking about the emulsification process for getting olive oil distributed in this Arbequina olive oil flavor that they do. Mm-hmm. You know they're all serious about ma- they're bi- making ice cream. They're basically ice cream nerds in the best possible way. Oh, cool. So I talked to uh, I talked to Kim. Also, we talked about what it's like to get to eight hundred employees and what it's like to work with Disney on two coasts. Mm-hmm. I and mean, she's got to be just doing something right because she says they're not experiencing the same kind of hiring or supply chain issues. That other companies are having. So they seem to be run really, really well. I'll go through a list of the flavors here real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have 12 standard flavors. Sea salt with caramel. Double fold vanilla. Chocolate gooey brownie. Panther coffee chocolate tres leches. So it's an espresso Mm -hmm. sort of sweet cream thing. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorites. The salted malted chocolate chip cookie dough. So it has a nice malt finish. Mm -hmm. Cinnamon snickerdoodle talked about that. Honey lavender. I'm not a huge fan of floral stuff. Mm -hmm. But the vibrant purple of this. Was kind of fantastic, strawberry honey balsamic with black pepper, which was my personal favorite. Like the strawberries come from Oregon, the uh, the balsamic like cuts the sweetness of the strawberry, and black pepper is a nice finish. Like I, I told Tyler, this is the ice cream I would serve to guests at a party. Like this is this is the thing I would put out to impress people at the end of a meal. The um the other one that I really liked was called salty donut guava and cheese, and and I like. Guava anyway, because um every tell you the story about my the Cuban managers I had when I worked at American Express, Eliana and Andy? No, no. Okay, two of my all-time favorite people, both like literally off the boat, Cubans mm-hmm. or their family was right. So mm-hmm. Andy made the best Cuban coffee I have ever had. It's the kind of stuff that's so strong. He served it, and I'm not making this up, honest mm-hmm. to God, he served it in a NyQuil cup. <laughs> That's he was, <laughs> that's wow. all you, Jim. That's all oh, you need. There right? we go. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. and, and he would do it like right at five o'clock mm-hmm. when it's like sure I'll it. you know you drink it and like fifteen minutes later you're like of course I'll stay three more hours <laughs> because I yeah, like I I have so much energy right now I'm mm-hmm. like you know. The keyboard is smoking. Mm-hmm. All the keys are flying off. We're still typing. It's fine. And then um Eliana told me about this Cuban bakery next to the uh, the MX building in Weston, which mm-hmm. is in South Florida. So I'd pick up these guava and cheese pastelitos, you know, before I showed up. Mm-hmm. So so all day long, you'd have like pastries and Cuban coffee to snack on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And now that I say that, Jim, in retrospect, I really think they were just <laughs> jacking us up on sugar and caffeine to <laughs> boost productivity. But whatever it worked, and they are two of my favorite people. Ugh. Anyway, this I eat this um, salt and straw guava and cheese, and mm-hmm. it's like that flashback in Ratatouille, where you go back and you're like, "Oh my god, I am in a specific place and time mm-hmm. eating one of it." And I told so. My thing to Tyler was, "Okay, I would serve the strawberry honey balsamic to friends at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. I would I would binge eat the guava and cheese while watching uh, Better Call Saul. <laughs> you know, like like just by myself. You know, do, doing both." It was It's incredible. Um, they also have a couple of uh, vegan flavors. Mm-hmm. They do a freckled mint chocolate chip with a mm-hmm. coconut base. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about that was the way the mint cancels out sort of the coconutty flavor
2: mm-hmm.
0: of the coconut. Cause sometimes you get coconut-based ice cream and all you can taste is coconut, even mm-hmm. if they're mm-hmm. trying to do other flavors. But that worked really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then they did a uh, roasted pineapple coconut sherbet, which I thought it was ice cream. I, I, I couldn't tell it was sherbet. So fantastic yeah. stuff. The um, – as far as prices go, mm-hmm. uh, a scoop is around $6, two scoops are around $11, but Jim, the mm-hmm. four scoop flight mm-hmm. is just under $15, so here's a consumer tip. Mm-hmm. The break even for the flight is three scoops, so if you have three people or you just want three scoops, the flight of four mm-hmm. is actually the better option.
1: You have to say those last two flavors, the, the fleck mint chocolate and the roasted uh, pineapple, I, I think that's what Nancy and I are going to do when we, we check this place out. So, oh, it's great. incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would definitely get the flight. So, get, you know, pick two more too. And they do a series of other like limited edition flavors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the flavors change the first Friday of every month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Tyler was saying this, I'm like, well, how much lead time do you need mm-hmm. to, to change the flavors? Because you know, again, supply chain research, mm-hmm. testing, right? And it's basically 12 to 14 months. Mm. Wow. That's some dedication to, to the cause. Yeah, I really like them though, and and Jonathan was great. He was telling me like, look, you're gonna love these people, and it was true. They are not only are they good people, but they're producing some really incredible ice cream. I think it's a a very good addition to Disney Springs. It's also right across from Haleo, which I love Haleo. So you can go back and forth and do both. Check <laughs> yeah, it out okay. the next time you're there.
1: Okay. Uh, one final note. Did just check in with the Westminster Dog Show, and there is, in fact, no cinnamon snickerdoodle. So, Len, move now.
0: Okay. All right. I, I need someone with a brown-colored <laughs> poodle and a schnauzer. Well, it doesn't have to be the same person, but if you could, you know. All right. Okay. All right, uh, Jim, time for surveys. So, last week we mentioned that our friend Catherine had got a survey from Disney hmm. that could best be described as Disney asking – Tell me how I could be a better boyfriend 10 minutes after they break up with you. And then Jim, Disney sent her a second survey, oh, no. which is like asking, and how did my mom treat you, baby doll? <sighs> <laughs> 10, 10 out of 10 points here for, uh, to Disney for ripping off the Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, would, would you like me to go through some of the questions? Jim? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So, uh, so one of the interesting questions was, did you experience Star Wars Rise of the Resistance during your visit to Disney's Hollywood Studios. And I think, Jim, we've talked about Rise of the Resistance is averaging two hours of downtime per day, oh. which is an insane amount of downtime mm-hmm. for an e-ticket ride on a consistent basis. That's not the worst day that they've had. That is, Jim, average, average. two hours a day. Oh. All right, so the, uh, the options for responses were, yes, I rode Rise of the Resistance using Lightning Lane. Yes, I rode it using the standby queue. Yes, I rode it using both the standby queue and the lightning lane. No, I didn't ride it, but I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, I wasn't interested in riding. And so Catherine had selected, mm-hmm. no, I didn't ride it, but I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So the next question after that was, why didn't you ride it? Mm-hmm. And Jim, this tells you that Disney is definitely hearing what we're hearing. Okay. We had to leave the line before it was our turn to ride. Mm-hmm. The wait time was just too long to join the line. The line was closed when we got to the ride. And that would happen if, you know, the the park's closing or whatever. The ride wasn't operating. Ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. And then there were no lightning lane options available. Hmm. All valid reasons, right? They are. I'm actually surprised that they turned that into a radio button where you could only select one Hmm. rather than check boxes. Because I know, for example, when the ride doesn't operate, like if you show up and the ride is broken down and you come back later... Mm The reason why the line is so long is now they've got to do make goods or, mm-hmm. you know, to, they've got to redeem everyone who had a lightning lane mm-hmm. during the downtime and they basically shut off the standby queue. So multiple things can be true here is what I'm saying, Absolutely. even though it's a radio button and you only get to select one.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The other one uh, question that I loved was, please rate your experience using Genie plus during your recent visit. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Very good. Good. Okay. Just poor. Mm-hmm. And Catherine selected poor, which I understand. Mm-hmm. So of course, the next question was, why do you think it was poor? And again, if you think about all the feedback Disney is getting about Genie Plus,
2: mm-hmm.
0: here's the list that shows they know what the problem is, right? Mm-hmm. The reasons that you could select for explaining why Genie Plus is poor value it costs too much. I can only book one at a time. And again, remember with FastPass, you could have three. Mm-hmm. I spent too much time checking on Lightning Lane availability on my phone yeah. from your lips to God's ears, Catherine. Yeah. I was ab- unable to pre plan and purchase the attractions in advance. Again, that's the difference between FastPass Plus and this. Mm -hmm. The attractions were sold out too quickly. Mm -hmm. The time between booking and returning was too far apart. I couldn't get the times I needed. Mm -hmm. It was an inconvenience to wake up early every day to book attractions during my vacation. Jim, Yeah. (laughs) so what you're saying is the problem that they fixed with FastPass Plus that they unfixed with Genie Plus is now a problem again.
1: Ha! (laughs) Go figure. Wow. Jim,
0: who could have foreseen this? I love that at least this question is
1: in the survey, yeah. which means. And the interesting
0: thing about this is it's checkboxes, so you could you could select multiple things. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Catherine selected like four at the top. I, I think she's got
0: tired and didn't get to this one. Yeah, no, I mean you got to give Catherine credit. She yep. she spoke her mind. She spoke she truth she to power said, here. Thank yeah, you. and the answers were beautiful. Like I completely agree with all. of Oliver answers. a couple of other um, uh, responses she could have chosen. Mm -hmm. Most of the attractions in Lightning Lane weren't worth paying extra for, and that would probably be the shows. Mm -hmm. The wait times to ride using the Lightning Lane Mm -hmm. were too long. And our friend Jim Shull has pointed this out in Mm -hmm. Disneyland. It's an issue. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to ride the attractions I was most excited about riding. The attractions I wanted were not in Genie Plus. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to ride enough attractions and other. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a fairly comprehensive list of what we've heard Mm -hmm. the problems are with genie plus i think so give them give disney credit for again ripping off the band-aid mm. right yep. the next question though which i love is basically the equivalent of and what did you think of my mother's cooking <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's how does the number of attractions at which you use lightning lane compare to your expectations and Catherine here selected worse than expected there are only three choices like mm-hmm. better about or worse mm-hmm. how likely are you are you to use disney genie the itinerary planning app on a future visit and Catherine selected Probably will not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How likely are you to purchase Genie Plus or individual Lightning Lane? Mm-hmm. Catherine selected. Probably will not. Mm-hmm. And then there are questions around the 50th anniversary celebration. Oh boy! Uh, oh, <laughs> again, you, Fred, our statistician, and I we once we once ran a like a three question survey on mm-hmm. the touring plans website, mm-hmm. and the question was, how could we improve the website? Mm-hmm. And Fred and I got through like two questions before we opened up a bottle of bourbon each (laughs) to (laughs) start drinking. I mean, the the feedback was excellent, right? Mm -hmm. But it is – when you ask people like what could I do better Mm -hmm. and be honest and they're honest – yeah, it's you got to be ready for it's, it. it. It's it's a day. Yeah, day it's, day. it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it was a, it was a long weekend. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, how did the Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary compare to your expectations? And Catherine selected worse than expected. And then the other question that was interesting here, and I've never seen this one before: How much do you agree or disagree with this statement? Hollywood Boulevard or the front of the park was too crowded. Wow. Strongly agree, somewhat agree, neither agree, somewhat disagree, strongly agree. And the interesting thing is, there was one of these questions for every area of the park. And I think that's interesting because it shows that Disney's already thinking there might be a problem. And then have you, have you seen how much construction staff hiring Disney's doing Jim right now?
1: I have not. That, that
0: They're, they are hiring a number of not only construction people, mm-hmm. but project management that is way beyond like, I mean, the only thing we know that's really going on is they got to finish up Moana and we've got the poly DVC. Mm-hmm. There's, no way they're hiring that many people for those two things something something's happening interesting
1: any chance any of these folks are going over to lake nona
0: i mean maybe but isn't that the third party doing the development interesting point okay i'm just spitballing here but wow and then the next question was like from disney was how soon or what point during your visit was the studios too crowded Mm-hmm. And Catherine wrote at Park Arrival. And which is true. Like if you've been there at Park Arrival, mm-hmm. there's a huge congregation of people going to Runaway Railway or Slinky Dog or mm-hmm. Rise of the Resistance. And and that's that's basically it, right?
1: Think about when they were putting in the Skyliner station, all of the work that they did on the entrance plaza to supposedly yeah. speed people in cuz remember they were building Star Wars Galaxy's Edge.
0: Yeah, and they they redid the front of the park to be instead of a straight line sort of L-shaped where you could bring people in from two different sides mm-hmm. from the trams and yes. the buses. Yes. And from the parking lot and, and Skyliner, right? Mm-hmm. But then Jim, they only use half of that. They only use half of the L-shape for entrance in the morning, which is which is bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Because no one's exiting the park you know, at eight o'clock when the park open, like nobody, I mean, you could have like two lanes for exit. Like they do at the magic kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Just put a sign that says, you know, the farthest two lanes are for exit, but open up everything for entrance. Why wouldn't you do that? I, I, I The only thing I think of is they're throttling because there aren't that many turnstiles at go. the front of the park mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they don't want it to back up there because if that backs up, then it backs up and impacts people getting in line to buy tickets and you don't want to sh- sh- screw up revenue.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So the other survey that uh, Catherine got starts with this. Mm-hmm. Um, which of the following describes why you did not spend more days at Walt Disney World on your most recent trip? Mm-hmm. And the a- first answer is visiting the Magic Kingdom is not appealing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. God. Oh, my God. So <laughs> 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 Catherine checked that box too. Yeah. The, uh, the other options, I wanted to visit other non-theme park attractions. I wanted mm-hmm. to go to the beach. Um, health and safety protocols were too mm-hmm. much. We didn't think we needed more time to do the things we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Visiting Epcot's not appealing. Limited theme park experiences. No fireworks, no parades, no character meet and greets. Mm-hmm. Not enough entertainment was something that Catherine selected. Mm-hmm. And you. then uh, I wanted to spend more time, uh, more downtime, not in the parks and then mm-hmm. vacation schedule. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was, what is the top reason you didn't spend more days at Walt Disney World? And Catherine mm-hmm. selected here. We expected the parks to be too crowded which again, woo, woo, like flashing signs. You and I, Jim, have talked about the downtime analysis that I've been working on, right? hmm mm-hmm. So if you look at how often rides break down mm-hmm. in the parks, like we mentioned Rise of the Resistance mm-hmm. is down two hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Remy's down more than an hour a day. Mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse Runaway Railway, I think, is about an hour a day. So if you think about, you know, there are 11 attractions mm-hmm. in Hollywood studios Tower of Terror is running on half capacity basically all the time because there's problems with the shaft, right? But if you think about the amount of capacity impacted by the very best ride on the very best rides at Hollywood studios, my question was, okay, how much of the park's overall capacity is lost every day to downtime? Like is downtime enough of a problem, right? And it's really prevalent at three of the four parks. It's prevalent at Epcot at the studios and at Animal Kingdom because they have the fewest rides, mm-hmm. right? So when in Animal Kingdom, for example, when Expedition Everest was down for an extended period mm-hmm. because of you know refurbishment, that meant that the headliner rides mm-hmm. that were left were Flight of Passage, Kilimanjaro, safaris, and Dinosaur, mm-hmm. right? If any of those break down, now you're at like basically fifty percent capacity for your e-ticket rides. What happens when you're at fifty percent capacity for your most popular rides? The lines, the lines go up, yeah. right? So I've been looking at this Epcot. It, if you look at the e-ticket rides, like Test Track is down at least an hour a day. Mm-hmm. Frozen is down at least an hour a day. Remy is down at least an hour a day. Uh, the amount of downtime that is being experienced on e-ticket rides, I think, in some cases, Jim, on, on very bad days, it's like twenty percent of those parks. And what that means is like, so at the Magic Kingdom, it's not as bad at the Magic Kingdom, Mm -hmm. but at the Magic Kingdom, if you look at the amount of downtime that they're losing, like the amount of ride capacity that they're losing, I think it's, it's as if they never built Seven Dwarfs Mine Train or one of the character meet and greets. Like they're losing a couple thousand people an hour. Like it's like they don't, it's like one mountain always offline in terms of downtime. And there's probably even more than that, but that's where I'm at right now in the analysis. And that's incredible because you would think about If Disney hadn't opened New Fantasyland, Mm -hmm. we would have had all of the attendance increases Mm -hmm. with no capacity increases. And and you think about New Fantasyland, right? We've got what? Seven Doors Mine Train. Mm -hmm. You've got Under the Sea. You've got the Aerial Grotto meet and greet. Mm -hmm. And you've got Enchanted Tales with Belle. And Enchanted Tales with Belle is still closed, Mm -hmm. right? Take out Seven Doors Mine Train because you're losing the capacity of basically that every day. So. Imagine the only thing that the Magic Kingdom has added in the last N years mm-hmm. is Under the Sea, which is an Omnimover, a yep. very high capacity ride mm-hmm. that no one goes to because it's in the back of the park and it's not a great ride. Mm-hmm. If people want to know why wait times are going up, part of it is, you know, Genie Plus, mm-hmm. but I think no one's looking at ride downtime because, and I think that's a huge, huge issue.
1: Pandora's been open for how long at this point? Likewise, Test Track. These are attractions that have been operated for, well, Avatar were creeping up on a decade. Yeah. And Test Track,
0: multiple decades. And it's like- Yeah, I mean, Test Track is what, 99? Yeah. 95? Yeah. I mean, and- it's, it's, it's been 20 years. And the thing, the thing that kills me is Remy, there's a clone of Remy in France. Mm-hmm. That does not break down this often. Rise of the resistance in California mm-hmm. doesn't break down as often. It's like what? What happened here? And we've we've talked to our friend Jim Scholl, former Imagineer Jim Scholl, yeah. about the Remy thing, which we will talk about later on. But there's some reasons for that. But still, it's like you know, okay, even even if you know the reasons and they're valid reasons, the end result is still we haven't increased capacity in the parks at all mm-hmm. in the last decade. <sighs> like what? Well, I mean, and that's probably an exaggeration. I got to go back and crunch the numbers. But the good thing is, is I have through, you know, my Disney experience, I think I have every bit of downtime Mm -hmm. for every ride going back at least a year. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm working on, like, making sure I know what the ride capacity is per hour, all the scheduled closures, and then all the park hours. But I'm going to calculate how much ride capacity or how much of the overall park capacity Disney's losing every day in, in downtime.
1: It would be hard to get the info to sort of validate the supposition, but if we go back to the mid nineteen eighties where Walt Disney World was largely forty hours a week employees.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know where you're going with this, yeah. Well,
1: no, I mean in fact it's your job. You you take it seriously. So when you're it's a career. Yeah.
0: It's a career. That's exactly. It's the difference between a job and a career. Yeah. 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 And
1: so, but, but when you, the park switch to, wow, we have to pay 40 hour employees health insurance and benefits and that sort of thing. And it's so much cheaper to take one 40 hour position and change it, say, change it into two 20 or 30 hour positions.
0: Yeah. You could, you could take three 40 hour jobs and make it four 30 hour jobs without benefits.
1: There we go. But again, like an employee like that isn't necessarily has invested in taking pride in their workplace, making sure yeah. that things are as efficient as possible. And I would bet you, if you you took the downtimes from back then in the forty hour a week Disney employee and compared them to now, I think that's the missing component, Len. That
0: people, no, it it, it definitely is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm I'm kind of amazed, even right now, mm-hmm. like we've talked about the staff shortages that Disney has around food and bev, right? 40% the, the the kitchens are operating on the back of house mm-hmm. at like 40% of capacity because yeah. they can't hire the people. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Disney, right? Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of companies that are just simply resisting hiring people at higher wages, mm-hmm. thinking that somehow they're going to get through this or that something will happen to cause them to be able to hire people at lower wages. <laughs> but how long can they go with that it's one of those you know if I
1: wish and I hope and I rub on this lamp it'll happen yeah. you know it's like uh, yeah. no pal welcome no. to the real
0: world yeah i mean it's been it's been at least a year right like how much longer do they think they can do it uh, anyway mm-hmm. yeah all right, last two uh, last two survey questions. And again, Catherine, thank you for sending both of these in. Absolutely. They're absolutely hysterical. Mm-hmm. Last one was um, why do you feel that Hollywood Studios is not appealing? Mm-hmm. Catherine wrote, it's too busy, there's not enough things to do, everything had a crazy long line, and none of it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and your dog's ugly too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And your mother trusts you funny. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then the uh, the last question, uh, and again, this has to be related to Disney mm. cutting off Magical Express. Yeah. Hey, tell us how you got from the airport to your hotel and lists all the options. Like I said, Jim, this is the survey where Disney was like, okay, be straight with me. How bad is it? Okay. And I hope to God that everybody who got this survey answered it as honestly and truthfully as Catherine did because – uh, she's, she said a lot of what a lot of us are thinking. So uh, hats, yeah. off, hats off to you, Catherine, for that survey. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, when we come back, uh, Jim continues his talk about the history of the Reedy Creek Improvement District. We'll be right back.
1: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Look, anyone who's been on this planet for the past two years knows that life can sometimes get a little stressful, and that stress can then manifest itself in some pretty extreme ways. By that mean, you may find yourself under-eating or overeating, sleeping too much or sleeping too little, or just spending far too much time each day face-down on your phone doom-scrolling. Sometimes it's hard to take a step back and recognize the physical symptoms of stress like headaches, teeth grinding, or even digestive issues. If any of what I've just described sounds kind of familiar, I'm a teeth grinder myself, or so says Nancy, well here's your reminder that you need to take care of yourself. Which perhaps means you should maybe try some therapy. And and if that's really the case, might I suggest BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's also much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Disney Dish listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Disney Dish. That's betterhel pcom com slash Disney Dish. We thank them for sponsoring today's episode.
0: All right, Jim, in last week's episode, we started talking about why Disney wanted something like the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Mm -hmm. And since then, Mm -hmm. uh, the Florida Senate has passed a resolution uh, that dissolves the Reedy Creek Improvement District in about 13 months. And I think that 13-month thing is important, Mm -hmm. Jim, because I think it gives everybody enough time to cool off Mm -hmm. and think about the implications of Of That particular decision. And and by the way, let me just say, I don't think even for one second Mm -hmm. that the Reedy Creek Improvement District is actually going to be dissolved and neither do the senators who passed the bill. So here's a quote, Mm -hmm. quote, this leaves the sword of Damocles over Disney's head for 13 months. It shuts them up. And this was from uh, Florida Mm -hmm. State Senator Jeff Brandis, who's a Republican. Mm -hmm. He said, nobody actually thinks this is going to happen. The cost to the state would be astronomical, potentially billions of dollars. So, everybody knows this is a terrible idea mm-hmm. and that it shouldn't happen, right? And I gotta say that Brandis is the one Republican mm-hmm. in the Senate to vote against the idea, and he's way over in Tampa, mm-hmm. so he doesn't even have a dog in this fight. Mm-hmm. He knows that this is a dumb idea. So, mm-hmm. I don't expect anything big to happen here before the election. Mm-hmm. Like basically, everyone's gonna be quiet till November, especially and then I think, especially Disney,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah. this point, the whole notion of don't give anybody any additional ammo right now coming out of Burbank radio silence.
0: Yeah, and I think, yeah, it's gonna be everyone's everyone's response to any further comment is gonna be, we said what we said, mm-hmm. and and just leave it at that. But I think after that, after the election, people on both sides of this, you know, don't say gay bill, mm-hmm. are gonna look for ways to de-escalate this Reedy Creek Improvement District thing because mm-hmm. it's. The impact to voters mm-hmm. in or- Osceola and Orange County is so tremendous that yeah. nobody who is in office right now would ever be elected. They couldn't be dog catcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they did. so on uh, next week's show, Jim, uh, we're going to review what Disney might do if the state actually tries to dissolve mm-hmm. the RCID. We've talked to I've talked to three lawyers now mm-hmm. about this all at, at length. Like uh, uh, they're they're all listeners mm-hmm. and they volunteered each an hour of their time. Google. to talk about it just tremendous people so um we had some some interesting ideas short preview on that jim boobla god willing we should live so long as to see the end of that litigation <laughs> like, like, yeah i don't i don't think jim we we have enough life year uh, uh, expected life expectancy no. to to see the end of that litigation hopefully our children mm. can get through law school so that they can earn some money from this you know for their, own, for their own children. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, Jim, so Reed Creek Improvement District
1: Part 3. Last week's show shared a lot of info that I pulled out of the Walt Disney Productions annual report from 1966. Staffers then pulled together the necessary info for the report, various divisions at Disney, and the report itself gets published on December 9th, 1966. Then six days later, Walt dies. And this is why that annual report came with a wraparound, a document that had been hastily attached to the outside of the, the physical booklet, which yep. then acknowledged the obvious. So uh, let me quote from the wraparound here. An important message to our shareholders and employees. This annual report was prepared prior to Walt Disney's passing. The enthusiasm for the future you'll find in these pages stemmed directly from Walt. In this report are the fact that that support this enthusiasm. It should confirm to you that the substantial creative assets of Walt Disney Productions our motion picture properties uh, completed and yet to be produced films, real estate, Disneyland, character merchandising, music publications, and the world famous Disney name will result in a successful future. It was, Ooh, Wal- okay. it was Walt's wish that when the time came, he would have built an organization with the creative talents to carry on what he had established and directed through the years. Today, that organization has been built and we shall carry out this wish. And there you we go. close out with Walt Disney's preparations for the future is a solid creative foundation. All of the plans for the future that Walt has begun, new motion pictures, the expansion of Disneyland and our Florida and mineral King projects as outlined in this report, will continue to move forward signed Roy O. Disney, president and chairman of the board, Walt Disney Productions.
0: So, uh, so Disneyland, Florida, and Mineral King. So two out of three, A bad? I mean, let me quote Meatloaf here. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: but what's interesting to me is in the letter, when Roy lists what he sees as the company's core assets in Walt's passing. And the batting order he put together is motion picker properties, real estate, that's got to be Florida, right? That's right. Oh, then, Florida and Mineral King. And Mineral King, yeah. But then Disneyland and then character merchandising. So again. Oof. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Disneyland's third on the list. All right. Roy puts the company's real estate holdings, which again, at that time, as you mentioned, 43 square miles of undeveloped swamp land in central Florida ahead of Disneyland. That's really telling, at least to me, of Walt's brother's headspace in the immediate wake yeah. of Walt's passing this point, while Disney Productions has spent roughly five million dollars on the acquisition of that land,
0: which I think I think today is the equivalent of uh, eighty-seven cents. If there was like no money.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. no, absolutely okay. Uh, and now, uh, General Joe Potter, in order to get the land ready for construction, especially that twenty-five hundred acre chunk in the heart of the property that would become the home of Florida's Vacation Kingdom, to get that twenty-five hundred acres of swamp and wetlands ready for construction. Uh, We talked about this last show. Joe has to build 38 miles
0: of water control channels. (laughs) He's just running a bulldozer from one end of property (laughs) to the other. It's all he's doing. It's like mowing the lawn, but like where the lawn is like the median of like (sighs) I-95. You you start in Maine, you end in Key West. (laughs) You turn around and come back. But it's (laughs) brutal hot. Expensive. Yeah. Work. There's mosquitoes. Like it's all. It's mud. It's muck. It smells terrible. Oh no, yeah, no, I mean, it's the worst. And you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And again, remember, he's not even allowed to be you know build straight canals. Walt right. wants curvy. Theming, the- theming, theming. Yeah.
0: So. To to their to their credit, mm-hmm. the canals that they've introduced look almost like they've been there forever. I no, mean, every the- time I take the monorail from the Magic Kingdom to mm-hmm. Epcot, I'm like. They really did a great job on the design here. They did. It's not all straight lines. They
1: did. At the same time, if we go back into the halls at Walt Disney production, particularly in, in the early part of 67, there's a lot of folks who are like, why are we spending this money? I mean, Walt's gone. Does it even make sense that we push ahead with construction of this giant thing in Florida, or not to mention a ski area up in the high Sierras? And for a time... Just the sheer momentum of Project Florida was enough to keep the enterprise moving forward. I mean, again, Joe's on the ground with his earth-moving equipment. And even if the company were entertaining the idea of abandoning, you know, all the land that had been acquired for the vacation kingdom, I mean, in order to get the, the full value out of this real estate purchase, they yeah. still have to build a network of access roads so they can, yeah. you know, you could They need
0: to make it usable even if they're going to pawn it off, right? So That's exactly. Say, like, I've done some development. Mm-hmm. It's turnkey ready, as the kids say. But again,
1: remember, this is during the period of the Reedy Creek Drainage District, not the Reedy Creek Improvement District.
0: Uh, sorry, it's drainage because you had mentioned on the last show that mm-hmm. it, it, this is actually a, one of, some of the headwaters of the Everglades. Yeah, well, <laughs> Yeah, okay, all
1: right, okay, okay. <laughs> and, and, and that too, you know, also home to, to, to several thousand of Floridas more prestigious alligators. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, I mean the uh, the alligators at uh, at Golden Oak. Oh yeah, enjoy go. special status. Absolutely, they get they get turned into Hermes <laughs> bags, Not the stuff you pick up at JC Penney. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Okay, just, this is just a great show. There we go. <laughs> We're having fun. I don't know if anyone else likes okay. it, you and I. Yeah, we go. <laughs> We're having a
1: good time. But no, no, no. Let's get to our Florida legislators who are anxiously awaiting those detailed plans for Project Florida, oh. which the company is supposed to unveil in February of '67. This yeah. is a scary scary time for those oh, folks Oh
0: yeah I mean you you know they're calling Roy and saying like the, the state legislature's like hey we got some sp- uh, some spare time between sessions do you need people to pilot the bulldozers Roy actually steps away from oh, the day. F- oh, that's got to freak them out too.
1: Yeah. Deanna, he's, he's mourning his brother. So he steps away from day-to-day operations. And of course, oh, when God. does he step away? He steps away from December of 66,
0: right up until the presentation in February 67. So so, Walt's, so Walt passes away. Right. And then communication goes silent. With alleged, oh, God, yeah.
1: The guys up in Tallahassee are literally leaning on their staff. It's like, call anybody you know in Anaheim or Burbank, all right? I. Just- There's this eight-year-old kid named Jim Hill. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a future. That's call right. him. It's there he goes. Okay. Because, <laughs> again, they think we are in direct con- g- competition with Mineral King and thinking it's, Waltz well, has gone. There is just no way the company is going forward with construction a- both of these ambitious projects. I mean, yeah. people and corporations naturally get conservative in moments like yeah. this. And Dizzy was going to have to eventually regroup, retrench. And uh, and when that happened, Glenn, one of these two projects was going to fall off the table. And when you consider what Project Florida meant to the people of Orange and Osceola County, all those jobs, and taking a chunk of Central Florida, which up until that time Largely rural, made most of its money off of growing citrus and raising cattle. I mean, oh yeah.
0: I mean, you still you go an hour west now between you know Orlando and and Tampa, mm-hmm. and it's farmland. But a think, lot of it. Think about it, you're
1: dangling in front of these people that you're willing to turn this piece of Central Florida into an attraction that one day will rival Florida's beaches. It's just sort of like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Florida elected officials are heartened when they learn in late December of '66, Wilderness Protection Groups, chief among them the Sierra Club, were mounting a challenge to Mineral King.
0: I was going to say, there's, uh, the Sierra Club plot probably gets a ton of uh, sign-ups from, uh, oh, from the central Florida area. <laughs> it, it, so, you know, <laughs> I, environmentality has always been very important to, <laughs> to, to the state legislature. I've
1: mostly <laughs> got live oaks in my yard, but sequoias, sequoias are the really important <laughs> yeah, trees. Yeah,
0: yeah, the, yeah, the the the, the, legislatures, uh, the legislators of uh, Florida, the elected officials, have suddenly become very concerned about the uh, the environment around, around the, the Sierra Nevada mountains. <laughs> no, absolutely. It, it's just a nice Global view that they have. When you mean, when you when you work in government, you've got to have a broad perspective. Absolutely, <laughs> and,
1: and again, this whole save issue, the whales, <laughs> especially if they live in the sequoias that are next exactly, to mineral gig. Exactly. You know, like. <laughs> But this is the thing, the, the the all-weather road that the National Forest Service at this point had actually agreed, you know, right. with Disney, yeah. let's build this. But again, it's got to go through the group of sequoias that are actually outside of Sequoia National Forest. So the, the whole notion of, you got a lot of sequoias in there, why do you need to protect these? And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, but the Sierra Club made it, an issue of it. And and to Disney's way of thinking, the natural beauty of California's high Sierras, yeah. and that's what Draws a Mineral King, but it turns out it would then turn into one of the the main drawbacks of the project. Right. The naturalists, the environmentalists, are, are you know giant corporation talking about cutting down old growth forests. Yeah.
0: But Disney's perspective on this was, and I think we read this in the uh, in the Buzz Price archives, mm-hmm. right? Disney's perspective was, okay, we sacrifice one percent of the trees, mm-hmm. but the number of people that we bring in who see the natural beauty of the remaining ninety nine percent of the trees mm-hmm. will go back and then be. Advocates for the environment. These are the Florida
1: legislators
0: themselves who were, again, pumping folks in Anaheim,
1: pumping folks in Burbank. What's Mm -hmm. going on inside the building? What are you hearing? And it's like two very distinct separate camps rose up. You know, they were the folks Mm -hmm. who were like, why are we going ahead with the stupid ski area idea? I mean, Florida at least makes sense, sort of. It's it's Disneyland writ large, and we as a company, we have a decade's worth of experience when it comes to operating family fun parks. All we have to do in Orlando is replicate what we have in Anaheim and boom, profit. On the other hand, there's this camp within Disney. It's like, look, we need to grow beyond just producing movies and operating theme parks. That's, that's what Walt wanted. He wanted the company to keep changing and growing. And company does actually have experience operating sports-related operations. I mean, look at the Celebrity Sports Center in Denver. The, we've been the sole operator of that seven-acre thing with its 80 bowling alleys and Olympic-sized pools since 62. And we yep. make good money off of the place. On the other hand, We know nothing when it comes to building cities. Yeah. That's why we have to sell off all this property in Central Florida, that experimental prototype community tomorrow thing that we all want to do. Recipe for disaster. You know, it's like, look, forget about Florida. Let's concentrate all efforts in California. Stick with the original Disneyland studio in Burbank and build the ski ski area up in in Meryl King. So picture this, you're an official in Tallahassee and you're hearing these two very strong voices come out of California. And it's like, even the people at Disney aren't sure whether they want to go forward with Project Florida or Mineral King. So at this point, in order to get Walt Disney Productions to say yes to proceeding with the development in Florida, Florida officials literally have to create a guide path to Disney, saying yes, remove every impediment. Yeah, you know that the company is facing to, for building anything beyond you know those thirty-eight miles of drainage canals and those access yeah. roads.
0: Yeah, I mean they're they're looking at it, saying we have to be proactive here. And but here's my question: mm-hmm. Were they proactive just because of the Mineral King thing, or did they look at Walt dying and Roy stepping away and saying? there's a leadership vacuum here. We need to uh, we that, need to do something. That
1: was the scary part. So it's like, we need the tier of management directly below Roy to be voicing opinions to the effect of, we need to go forward in Florida. Look what's happening there. So this will mean, you know, in order to get that glide path, we have to relax a lot of Florida's zoning reg- regulations and building codes. And mind you, Len, Florida had done this before. In the early 1960s when developer Dell E Webb expressed an oh, interest, Okay, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. when he expressed an interest in building an East Coast version of Sun City, that hugely popular retirement community which he'd established in the Southern California desert outside of the tiny town of Menifee Sunshine State officials bent over backwards to make Dell's dream of a Sun City in Florida reality. In order for to get Webb to build Sun City Center, which is in uh, southern Hillsbury County, uh to the south of Tampa and to the north of Sarasota, on hey, 16 square miles of swampland, uh, Florida makes all sorts of concessions as a developer. It, it, it yeah. ke- keeping the this huge chunk of property unincorporated, for example. And in the end, that was enough to convince Webb to buy this 12,000-acre property in early 61. And today, Sun City Center, an age-restricted retirement community, is home to over 30,000 people, Len. Wow. And that was the thing I'm thinking up in Tallahassee. Look, if we're going to beat out that ski area and the high sea area, we have to do for Disney what we did for Dell Webb. And it's like, give them whatever they want. Yeah. So anyway on our next week the final chapter of our Reedy Creek Improvement District saga we're going to talk about how the Reedy Creek Improvement District ultimately came together and given what's going on now we're going to talk about what at least they're pretending to do yeah you know versus what's actually happening so
0: yeah there's some there's some interesting things that uh, the Florida legislature has already said mm-hmm. and then the lawyers that I talked to, the two questions I had for them were mm-hmm. if you're the Florida legislature, how would you dissolve it? And we've kind of seen what that roadmap looks like. Mm-hmm. But then the next question is, okay, you're Disney, knowing knowing that, mm-hmm. how do you counter that? Mm-hmm. And then what could the state do to counter it and so on? So it's like what's the what are two moves ahead on either side for the chess game? So I like I said, I've spoken to three lawyers for about an hour each. And they they have some really, they have some very straightforward ideas, and then they have some very creative ideas. And uh, I
1: cannot wait to hear what these guys say.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a nice little uh, nice little look in, into uh, both uh, state, Florida mm-hmm. state law, and constitutional law, and then contract law for all of them. So it was great to uh, again, our listeners who are lawyers are fantastic mm-hmm. for volunteering their time for that. I, I really do appreciate really. that. All right folks, that's gonna do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Where you'll find exclusive shows never before on iTunes. On next week's show, more on the Reedy Creek Improvement District, and a new Universal Orlando survey asks for your opinion on ideas for new after hours style events. You can find more of Jim at JimHillMedia.com and more of me, Len, at TouringPlans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who will be steroid testing the American Pekins, Khaki Campbells, the Indian Runners, and whatever else people enter at the 43rd annual Great American Duck Race, August 25th through the 28th at McKinley Duck Downs. That's in Courthouse Park, Jim, in beautiful downtown Deming, New Mexico. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and Radar show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.